So, are you ready for Christmas? I know, it's not even December yet. And with the pandemic limiting our opportunities for socializing and dominating our small talk when we do see people, that question probably won't be as frequent this year. Which is fine with me, because I never know how to answer anyway. As small talk, that's usually a question about preparations. Do you have the house decorated? Are your holiday plans in place? Is your Christmas shopping all done? This season is filled with so much stuff to do. Parties to plan, decorations to put up, meals to prepare, house cleaning to be done, year-end work deadlines to meet, the last few weeks of school before the holidays. Is that what it means to be ready for Christmas? To burn through your to-do list in preparation for those few days of holiday bliss? Or there's something sentimental in that question. Maybe a handful of folks will answer that way. You know, I have most of my stuff done, but it doesn't feel like Christmas yet. Searching for that vague Christmas spirit that gets triggered by different things, family traditions, bland or brilliant Christmas music or movies, familiar scents and tastes, driving through streets lit with Christmas lights as just the right amount of snow softly falls, sparking or crafting that Christmas feeling, is that what it means to get ready for Christmas? It's going to be interesting to see where and if the Christmas spirit comes this year, as many of our usual patterns are disrupted. At church, getting ready for Christmas is a mix of those things. There is a lot of activity and decorations and events, and the pastor usually wants your help with something or other. And there's a nebulous cloud of feelings that come with our favorite carols, the memories of Christmas's past, the words of hope and peace and love and joy. Those are good things on the whole. Those feelings of Christmas is what the Advent planning team tries to bring out each year with candles and themes and connections and that vague sense of awe at the mystery of the Christ child. Those activities and feelings are at the heart of Advent for sure at least the way we do things around here. Advent is a season of readiness. That's what Advent means, literally, to come. The season of arrival. Advent implies motion, activity, adventure. The Advent theme from Mennonite Church Canada this year hits that note directly. On the road. They write, Our sincere hope is that when this Advent journey has been completed, we will be closer to the heart of Jesus than when we began. This week, that journey begins on the road to readiness. What does readiness look like? How might we prepare ourselves to receive the one who save us, they ask. That's the focus statement from the worship materials to set up this week's worship service. And that's a good question. How do we prepare ourselves to receive the one sent to save us. But I wonder at the assumption there that to be ready means to be prepared. Because preparation is all about knowing what to expect. My family likes to go camping most summers, and over the years we've developed a list of all the stuff we need to bring with us. The list covers the basic camping gear, tents and hats and bug spray and ice packs and water bottles plus the little quirks specific to our situation, like the heavy-duty safety pins because the zipper on the bug tent broke last year. 
Everything we need is on the list. And every year while we unpack after the trip, we add to the list anything that we wish that we had brought this year. So as long as we stick to the list, we'll be prepared for anything. Preparation is all about knowing what to expect. And that's almost entirely based on previous experience. This year's camping trip will be very similar to last year's. The weather might change a bit and the locations will vary, but in general, we use the same list to prepare every summer because camping this year will be much the same as it was last year and the year before that and the year before that. That's the assumption behind most preparations, that the thing we're preparing for will be like what we know from prior experience. Or at the very least, it will be like what we can learn from the prior experiences of others. I think we make that same assumption in the realm of faith as well. Faith is trusting that God will do this time what God has done in the past. That's what the writer of this prophetic poem of Isaiah 64 is hoping for. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard no eye, ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for you. This is a prophecy of the exile. The Jews were driven out of their homeland, refugees in Babylon, and they are burning with this vision that their exile is not forever, that they are not powerless, that one day God will return them to their land return them to the holy city of Jerusalem. Their suffering will end, their nation will be reborn, their, their economy will be revived. Someday this is all gonna be over and we can get back to normal. They had faith because they had been taught the stories of what God had done in the past. God had brought their ancestors through even worse things. That is who God is, the rescuer. That is who they were, the people who God cares enough about to rescue. And what had been done once could be done again. And so they cried out, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Come down and rescue us. Come with power like nobody's ever seen. Power like you used to, God, when you did awesome deeds that we did not expect. Now, wait a second, did you catch the paradox in the prophecy? Awesome deeds that we did not expect. The prophet is looking back at the legends of old, the Exodus story, the stories of Jericho, Gideon, of David, all those stories when the weak had defeated the strong, the few had the victory over the many, because God showed up with great power, doing things that nobody thought were possible. That's why the stories are memorable, because nobody expected those outcomes. But here, the prophet is calling for God to do that again, awesome deeds that nobody would expect. And he has some very specific expectations, even as he calls for God to do the unexpected. That's the paradox. 
If you expect God to do the unexpected, will you recognize it when God defies those expectations? And actually, that's what happened, and not everybody got it. God did return the Jews to their homeland, but not in the way that this prophet expected. They returned to Jerusalem, not by mountains trembling, not by way of conquest, but through diplomacy. They became incredibly influential as a people, not through their warriors or through their wealth, but through their scribes, their priests, their religion, their books. The Jews rebuilt the temple, but what really lasted was the diaspora, Jewish culture and identity that went beyond borders and buildings. God did awesome things for and through the Jews after this prophecy, but it didn't look much like this poem describes, certainly not like the stories of what God had done before. My understanding of history suggests that that's one of God's favorite things, to defy expectations, to do something totally different, to do good in a totally new and wonderful way. And so when Advent invites us to readiness, to prepare ourselves to receive the one sent to save us, what are we looking for? Are we preparing for God to do what has been done before, or are we expecting the truly unexpected? That's the Christmas story for sure. One of my favorite Christmas songs imagines Joseph, father of baby Jesus, that night in Bethlehem, wondering what in the world is going on. I'm sure he must have been surprised at where this road had taken him, because never in a million lives would he have dreamed of Bethlehem. And standing at the manger, he saw with his own eyes the message of the angel come to life. And Joseph said, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in this world? Why here inside this stable filled with hay? Why her? She's just an ordinary girl. No, I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say. But this is such a strange way to save the world. I love that line, a strange way to save the world. That sense of strangeness just followed Jesus throughout his life. At each stage, he's got someone close by going, okay, now this is for sure the time when he's going to do like the heroes used to do, maybe drown some Egyptians like Moses or kick butt like Joshua or claim his throne like David. Jesus defied those expectations. Even when Jesus is condemned to death, dying on the cross, there are some in the crowd thinking, surely now is the moment. Finally, he's going to summon his armies. He's going to tear open the heavens and come down to make the nations tremble before him. Not so much. Not that way. Even after his death, the rumors are still out there. Well, sure, the last time Jesus came, he was all pacifist and stuff, but, well, maybe next time. Just wait until the second coming. When he comes again, he's going to bring the pain, Liam Neeson style. But no, Jesus was and is up to something entirely different, a strange way to save the world. 
It seems that throughout the history of the people of God, there has always been a disconnect between what the people want and expect and understand and what is actually going on. God never does exactly what we want. And that's a good thing. If Joseph had gotten what he wanted, Jesus never would have been born. If things had gone according to Mary's plan, we never would have heard of her. If the wise men had followed through on their wisdom, they would have returned home worshiping the wrong king, and so on. It's not that their expectations and desires were wrong. It's just that they couldn't see the bigger thing that was going on. And it was in the letting go of those expectations that God showed up. The Christmas story is that God operates in the space beyond human understanding and expectation. To me, that sounds like very good news, this year in particular, when so very much is beyond my expectations and understanding. And so, the faith then, from this perspective, is not about expecting God to do again what God did before, but about trusting that whatever God is doing will ultimately be awesome and good. To be clear, just because I can't always see the whole picture of what God is doing doesn't mean that God is arbitrary or irrational. Just because God doesn't make sense to me doesn't mean that God doesn't make sense at all. I do think that logic and reason are part of God's character. God is consistent. God is faithful. We certainly don't need to throw up our hands and blindly accept whatever happens to come our way. It's worth trying to understand who God is and what God is up to. I'm just saying that it's wise to acknowledge the limits of that pursuit and to recognize that God lives beyond our understanding. What then does it mean to prepare ourselves to receive the one sent to save us when that saving is quite likely to be strange to us? What does readiness look like when God is quite intentionally subverting our expectations? I think that kind of readiness means working to understand and let go of our egos that get in the way of what God is inviting us into. As I've said, this year has been full of unexpected things, some for better, mostly for worse, and it's worth paying attention to our reactions to those surprises, individually and collectively. For me, a lot of it has been about planning, making contingencies, convincing myself of some path that I think pandemic life is going to follow, and then charting my course through that hypothetical situation, and then starting over and repeating the process when my speculation fails to play out in reality. If you've been on a committee with me in the past nine months, you've seen that in action. And it's not always pretty when I'm feeling so anxious about the state of the world. I call that preparation when I'm in the middle of it, but really it's my ego at work. It's about convincing myself that everything's gonna be okay, that I have a handle on this, trying to feel some measure of control while the world spins madly on. I think most of us have something like that that helps us cope through times of uncertainty like the pandemic. Some of us draw a very tight circle around ourselves so that while things are chaotic out there, in here, it's all under control. Some of us go for a deep dive into the data, 
looking for certainty through knowledge and understanding. Some of us seek comfort or excitement or loud self-expression. Some of us push back. Some of us try to help to make ourselves useful. Those are not bad things. It's good to have ways of making sense of the world and coping with the difficult times we find ourselves in. The invitation of Advent, though, is to remember that those patterns are not the whole story. There's more going on in the story that God is telling here, more than what my ego can grasp. And so my planning, my contingencies may not amount to much. I may not ever be in charge of anything important. I may not ever get the clarity and understanding that I want. I may not be successful in this space. I probably won't be comfortable. The journey may be painful. It may be boring and ordinary. I might not have a central role in the story. I might not be needed or useful at all. And yet, God will show up anyway, beyond what I want and expect and understand. That's the Christmas story. A whole bunch of people who were utterly unprepared for the future they were about to face, who would not have chosen for themselves the role that they ended up playing. And yet, God came anyway. Like Christmas in Whoville for the Grinch, it came anyway. Nothing went according to plan for anyone. And yet, Emmanuel, God with us. Are we ready for that? That is the readiness of Advent, I think. Opening our eyes and hearts to the God who meets none of our expectations and yet shows up anyway. I guess we'll see. Welcome to Advent. I wish you all of the awesome deeds that we did not expect that you can handle. Amen.